Well, good morning. Um, my name is Israel Martinez, and I'm blessed and thankful to serve here as uh, the lead pastor. I'm so encouraged by those of you who are our covenant partners. We're so thankful for the work that you are doing. And if you are a guest or someone that's been coming, uh, we want to just say we, we love you guys. We're glad that you're here. We want to get to know you and connect with you. So please allow us, let, um, give us some space before you leave and just hang around a little bit. Let us connect with you, and we would love to just connect to get to know where you're from, uh, get to know a little bit about you and share. We actually have a class today right in that room. We've got uh, Einstein bagels, and it's our first step class. So um, if you are, you are welcome to come to that, to kind of check it out, to learn. Even if you've been before, if you want a refresher, it is available there for you, to, to, for you as well to ask any questions and just to get to know us more as we get to know you more. So um, we have been in a study, and we're going to end it today in the book of Proverbs. Uh, Proverbs is uh, amazing. There's so much in there. But the main point of the whole book of Proverbs comes from those first seven verses. And so they serve as this anchor thesis for the entire book, specifically verse 7, which says this. So take this to heart. Proverbs 1, verse 7 says, fear, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and that fools despise wisdom and instruction. So again, what are Proverbs? Remember, Proverbs are, are, are these statements of wisdoms. We could say maxims or axioms or aphorisms. Again, statements of wisdoms and of wisdom. And it's, it, it's good to know that the Proverbs are not statements that guarantee 100% precision necessarily when, when uh, you follow them. That's not their purpose. Uh, their purpose is to teach true wisdom. We look in Ecclesiastes and kind of see the exceptions to the rule of, uh, of wisdom. Um, there's always exceptions, but the, the Proverbs, again, true, true purpose is to teach us this true wisdom and true knowledge that leads to truly fearing, believing, knowing, loving God, and even trusting God. That's the word we're going to look at today, uh, which are all uh, synonyms in, in, in biblically. Now, they, they come at God with different aspects, yes, but generally, again, these are synonyms and point us to this big idea of this true, deep, intimate relationship with God. And so to trust, and again, uh, today, to trust in the Lord, we're going to see what this idea means. And, and, and again, the intro to the Proverbs anchors us in the truth that this true knowledge has a source in God. By revealing the, this written uh, word, Jesus, the living word, and then we see the, the, the written word, and then we see the gospel, though proclaimed word. That's going to be kind of what we look at in our first point. And so we see that knowledge and wisdom come from God. So let's read our text in Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. And if you have a Bible, open it, turn on your device, have your heart and your eyes in the text. Uh, again, this is how we love the written word. This is what our first few verses are going to say. Do you know the commandments of God? Do you love the commandments of God? So a way to, to learn and to do that is at church when we're going over something, just have your eyes and ears looking at the text, reading the text. It helps, I think, absorb into your heart and soul. So let's read this together. Proverbs 3, 1 through 12. The text says, this is Solomon in a way speaking to his son. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For the length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. And it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So much in this uh, uh, text and so you can preach four sermons. I'm going to try to catch all this in one, and it may, we maybe go a few minutes longer, but bear with me, okay? Because I think it's very important to see all these different seemingly random things and how they connect to the trust in the Lord. 
So what, what is trust? The dictionary defines it this way, this assured reliance on the character, ability, strength, or truth of someone or something. Another uh, idea is uh, dependence on something future or, or contingent, this idea of hope. Uh, in a verbal transitive form, I know that's nerdy, to rely on the truthfulness of accuracy uh, to believe in something. That's why I said these, even in English, are synonymous with belief. Uh, uh, that's the idea of loving God, knowing God. It's to have trust in a person, to place confidence in, to rely on your friend that you can trust, we would say. To hope or expect confidently, we would say, to trust that the problem will be resolved soon. It, it, to, to trust means to commit or to place in one, one's care or keeping, the idea of entrust, right? So, um, why do we trust? And who do we trust? Again, why do we trust? And who do we trust? Who do you trust today? Do you trust your, yourself, your friends, your family, maybe your spouse? I mean, sometimes you can, sometimes you can't, right? In all in those spaces. Do, do you trust the media? Maybe world news, Facebook, Instagram, this political party, that political party. Who do you trust? I mean, our American uh, dollar bills and coins have said, I remember this, you know, the kids seeing this, and they still say, if you look closely, what do they say? In God we trust. But do we really trust God? Do we really trust God? God. Let's look at verses 1 and 4 now, where we're going to see our first point in the text that teach us to keep God's word. So this is important. Uh, we really can't trust God unless we know what he says, right? Or we, if we don't, we make up our own version of God, our own version of the gospel. So this idea of, of the written word, look at this and read with me again. Point one is that we keep God's word, if you're a note taker. Read with me in verse 1 again. It says, My son, again, Solomon the king, talking to his son, trying to give him success, says, Son, don't forget my daddy teaching. Don't forget what I've taught you as daddy. And then he says, that's good. I got some daddy wisdom I've given to you. But then he says, don't forget my teaching, but let your heart, and this is how that teaching culminates, let your heart what? Keep my commandments. In English, that word has no strength. It's just like, oh, cool, I'm just going to keep the commandments. No, no, no. This word, it biblically means to guard, to protect, to like know. Like, I'm going to keep this. I'm going to guard it in my heart. That's the language of the Bible, right? To keep God's word in your heart, to, to guard, protect, to, to really love it. But let your heart, we know the, hearts, the heart, heart is wicked and deceitful. But when you're walking with the Lord, our hearts can be like Christ, like God. And, and it's this compassion, this tension that I think as the modern church, we know a lot about a lot of other things, and we don't know the Word of God. And we get mainly the context from the Holy Spirit confirming what we read here in the written Word. It's all Psalm 119. If you want encouragement in that, go read Psalm 119. It will give us all these different synonyms, statues, word, commandments, law. What do they mean? Man, are you keeping, like our first point, do you keep God's Word? Do you guard it? Do you protect it? Do you really know it? Because if you don't, it's going to be rough. Life will not be good. It's going to punch you in the mouth, and you're not going to know what to do. Again, why? and look at this blessing if we do that. Now, again, this is not always 100% true. People die for their faith. We see that in the New Testament. But generally, I think 90-10, right, if you keep God's commandments, that there will be length of days and years to your life and peace they will add to you. You're going to live long. You're going to have peace. You're going to do well. That's what generally, 90-10, I don't know if you guys remember a few weeks ago I gave the, what happens, what were the Proverbs like? If we could sit on a bench, you and me, for a thousand years and we could just witness humanity, we would see that if you do these Proverbs, 90% of the time, and I don't have, that's not from God, I'm just giving an example. Maybe it's 80, maybe it's 95, maybe it's 99, I don't know. But most of the time, if you do these things, your life will turn out well. You'll live old. Now, there's exceptions. There's Ecclesiastes, and the, the opposite is true. 
The guy who's a scumbag lives forever, okay? There's all his exceptions. Ecclesiastes is making a philosophical point. This is making a practical point. If you follow God and you keep his commandments, you're going to do well. Life will be long. And so we must keep God's word, and we must know the three aspects of God's word. This is messing people up all the time in church because they don't know this, and they start worshiping without being grounded in understanding these three aspects of God's word. This would always confuse me when I was young. I was like, God's word, is it the Bible? But the, John says Jesus is the word, and there's this other thing called the gospel. Like, what's happening? It, it, it's not that complicated. Jesus is the living word, okay? He's the living word. You should know this. Someone comes and explains, and like, well, what's the word of God? I, I don't know. Jesus is the living word, right? The written word are his scriptures, his breath. We have on paper that minister to us. And then Jesus is the living word. It's obviously connected to the Father and connected to the Spirit. And then we have his proclaimed word, the gospel. When you separate any one of those three, you can make your own gospel. You'll make your own version of Jesus. You'll make your own interpretation of Scripture if they're not together, held together. So we got to hold those together. That's what it means to keep God's word. Not just to be in John 5. We studied that uh, a few weeks ago. It says that the Pharisees searched, searched the Scriptures, and they did not see Jesus. So they were all up in the Scriptures. They were trying to study them and know them, but they didn't see Jesus. They were kind of worshiping the written word, disconnected from the living word, didn't understand, okay, the, the proclaimed word, the gospel. If you miss and they're not, you're not uh, abiding in Jesus, you're going to get that wrong. Why? We must know the living word, Jesus, to keep right relationship with God. We must know the written word um, as we keep God's commandments. That's what we learned in our first few verses. And we have to know the proclaimed word because we're going to keep fidelity to the gospel. Okay? And so this gospel is the story of Jesus. We, we, you, maybe in church you've heard it. You, you're like, what is it? It's the story of, uh, of Jesus being there at the beginning and creating with the Spirit, with the Father. God created and made everything good, right? He made you in his image. I never heard that as a kid. I always thought I was ugly, and I thought I was a lower. God made you good. He made you in his image. But what happened? The sin came. And this fall and this brokenness, as we start to live, because Adam and Eve sin, this brokenness, this chasm was formed that we have sin and darkness in us. And I can, you can ask every single human, most will, some will lie, but if you really know yourself, you know there's brokenness and sin and, and darkness there and things you can't control and things you've tried to get better at and you just can't. This is that brokenness, that sin that we have. And we needed this Redeemer. That's why we love the name Redeemer, codenamed Jesus for our church. He came. He lived a perfect life. He was a teenager that didn't mess up. He was a five-year-old, a three-year-old that didn't scream and, and throw tantrums. I can't, I can't imagine that. Like maybe, maybe he cried because crying's not sin, right, and being hungry. But, I mean, the little perfect three-year-old Jesus, his mom could say, come here. And he'd just come. Mary just had it easy, man. <laughs> she, she had it easy with the babies, some of us who have babies. It's not easy. But this Jesus lived a perfect life all the way into 30-something years old, and he was, he was murdered and crucified on a Roman cross. And then this king who, who took on the anger of God, he who knew no sin, Corinthians says, he became sin so that we could become the justice or the righteousness of God. So that we could know God, that we could actually trust God. This is what these Proverbs are doing. They're prophesying about the Messiah. This is what God-fearers would look like. There were God-fearers in the old day that had the Spirit. And God saved them because they were looking towards the Messiah. And then when Jesus came, it's us now who Jesus says get to be different. We, we are blessed because we don't see him, but we are blessed in that we have the Holy Spirit now in, uh, indwelling in us. And this king died, and he rose again, and he promised that, that, that he would come back again, and that, that he would set everything right. No more tears, no more pain, no more suffering. Guys, that's how we keep God's word. We have to know the story, and there's so much more detail about this story, right? What has God called us to do in redemption? We can say the creation, the fall, um, the redemption, and then the restoration or the new creation. That's the gospel story summarized. we got to know that. And if you know that, what's our part in that? Not much, but Jesus did say, I love you. He said, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He said, repent and believe. Repent and believe, for the kingdom of God is at hand, and that's what we're called to do. That's how you keep God's word, by knowing him, by loving him, trusting the Lord with all your heart. And that's how you keep fidelity to the, the proclaimed word, how you know the written word, and how you trust and love and have that right relationship with the living word. We have to know this. And so that's our first point, guys. 
keeping God's word, all summed up in all that gospel story, we keep God's word, we will find life and peace, even if we die. As Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Even if death is knocking at our door, we have life and peace. That's crazy talk. The world can't understand that or talk like that. Look at verses 3 and 4, and it's going to teach us more on how we keep God's word, saying, let not steadfast love, you see how love's tied to this, and faithfulness, or this idea of, of being, uh, um, uh, believing, trusting in something, fidelity. Let not steadfast love or faithfulness forsake you. Bind them. These are, these are characteristics of God, the steadfast love of God. This faithfulness of God. He's like, don't let that forsake you. Keep loving the word. Keep knowing God. Bind them around your neck. It was a symbol of deep commitment, this strong discipline, commitment. We're disciplined for so many other things, but are we disciplined to love the Lord and love his word? It will change you. It will give you the discipline to do the other things. He says, write them on the tablet of your heart. This is, yes, an external reminder. Maybe put something on your mirror. Maybe, um, you know, before you grab your phone, have your Bible app open. So the first thing you see is the word of God, and you can pray. I don't know what God is calling you to do. There are a lot of things you can do to totally change, to be disciplined. It's really hard these days. I think it's hard. We have a lot of distractions. I'm 40, be 41 here this year, and I didn't have... We didn't have this stuff. We just woke up. And I was like, okay, do-do-do, no phone, no nothing. You just woke up. You just, you just, you didn't have, oh, phone, this, and it's just so, there's so much to distract us now. Get to that email. We didn't have email back in the day. E-what? We just wrote notes. I don't know how we did anything. I don't know how we got places. No Google Maps, no nothing. So many distractions. We have to be disciplined people. If you want to change, you have to be disciplined in the little things. And that's what this is saying. Why? Look, verse 4. Man, if you, if you keep God's word, there's a discipline there. And God can teach you how to do that. But if you do that, you will find favor. Do you want favor from God? Who doesn't want that? My goodness. I want it. I, I pray you want it. Favor from God and good success in the sight of God and man. Now, Again, there's all those exceptions. The world is going to think we're bucket heads. There's all that. But generally, um, again, you are going to do well if you commit to God's word. And even in the hard times, we see, again, favor and good success. We see by, in front of man and in front of God are found when you keep God's word. It's generally too true if you look out through history. You see, keeping God's word leads us to trusting God. So when you are struggling to trust God, how are you doing in keeping God's word? Are you keeping God's word? Do you know the living word, Jesus? Are you abiding with him in and in him and then studying the written word, not just looking at it, studying it, loving it, hiding it in your heart to see God and his proclaimed word, the gospel message in your life and in a way that you can then proclaim that to others. Think about it, guys. They're connected And this leads to the big idea of our uh, study today that we have been talking about. This idea to, to, to our second point is to trust the Lord. But it's really the big thesis of the whole thing. It's kind of what holds it all together. Read verses 5 and 6 with me. They say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Sounds like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And do not lean on your own understanding. And so we are to trust the Lord with all our hearts, everything we have. It's hard. It's not easy. But if you abide in Jesus, you can do it. Imperfectly, but you can do it. The, 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 and the, the opposite is, right, that we don't trust ourselves. Not in our understanding. We can't trust ourselves. Our hearts are wicked by themselves. By themselves. Look at verse 6. It emphasizes this, trust the Lord. We're going to sing this twice after response so we can get it in our hearts and souls. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Don't trust yourself. Trust the Lord with all you have. Give everything you have to him. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. Man, how many, if we're honest, right, that whole waking up scenario is the first thing you do acknowledging God. The first thing. Look up, pray, I trust you, I need you, I can't make it today. 
I want more of you. I need you. You don't have to be um, super depressed all the time, but sometimes we're there, right? Sometimes it's happy. Lord, you're awesome. It's a good day. I get to go on vacation. I get to go work. I get to do good things. You know, work is a good thing in the Bible. It's not like, oh, I get to go work. It, it's your, we, we were made to work before the fall. Work is good. Life is good. Family is good. So many opportunities we have to acknowledge the Lord and say, I see you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you for seeing me. And look what it says. You want to know the will of God? There's so many scriptures that say the same thing. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you, Matthew 6. Here it says it a different way. Acknowledge the Lord. Trust the Lord. And what? He will direct your paths. You want to know what to do? You want to know what's your next move? What you're supposed to, how you're supposed to talk to your, your wife or your kids or uh, what business decision you're supposed to make, what job you're supposed to take, what church you're supposed to join? Trust in the Lord. Acknowledge him. Pay attention to him. And he's going to direct your paths. He will give you the way. It doesn't mean to give you every single answer. It may just be a little, the next little move on the street. But if you trust him, guys, he will show you what's next. Oftentimes, we don't know what we're doing. We don't know where we're going. We don't know what the next move is because we're not trusting. We're not keeping his word. We're not trusting the Lord with everything we have. We're not acknowledging him even. He, he wants to direct our path. And this is the thesis of our text today, to trust the Lord. It, this, again, is another way of, of wisdom and knowledge, which is teaching us what? The big thesis of Proverbs, can't get away from it, to fear the Lord. And so our third point teaches us that we're to fear the Lord. Look at verse 7. And I just say, oh, fear means this or that. It means fear the Lord. It means love the Lord. It means, ignore. it means to trust him and know him. But it means you have a fear of God, like a good parent, right? Dad comes home. Mom comes home. Kids messed up, and they got a little fear. Fear means fear. Fear also means love. In Ephesians, it says fear of Christ. It doesn't mean you're like, oh, my God, I'm so scared of God. It doesn't mean terrified that you're like God's a monster. But you have a healthy fear of how awesome and holy and wonderful he is, and that changes you because you want to honor him. That's the fear of the Lord. Be not wise, verse 7, in your own eyes. That's the, that's, don't be wise. Don't be so proud. You have ever uh, had to do something you don't know how to do? I was talking to uh, someone yesterday. I think we were talking about sports and uh, I just remember, like, man, I didn't play football. My people don't play football, okay? But in seventh grade, I played football. I get out there. I was fearful. I didn't know what I was doing. They're like, X, Y, Z, do this, Y out. And I'm like, okay, I just run and try to get open and didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> I remember being fearful of things like that. Fear is good. Fear makes you pay attention, right? Fear makes, okay, because then I would go and I'd learn a little more and I'd learn a little more. I wasn't living in, like, in terror, but I had a healthy fear that, that helped me learn how to play football and helped me learn what to do. And then I wasn't fearful. I, I mean, that fear was there because like, it's like anything. If you're, the, the, if you're overconfident, that leads, that's called being cocky or arrogant, right? That, that will lead you down a bad path. So there's this idea of, of confidence, holy confidence abiding in Jesus. And that's what this fear of the Lord does. It's confidence in him and not confidence in ourselves. And how do you know if you're doing that? One, you're not being wise in your own eyes. You're not proud. You're listening. You're acknowledging God. You're trusting him. And it says, fear the Lord and turn away. Repent from evil. How many of us honestly love evil? We love it. We lie. We come to church. We put on smiley faces. We go to work. Hey, brother, da, da, da. And we're looking at stuff on the internet. And we're wishing we could do this or that. And we hate people. Because we love evil instead of loving a holy God. And God says, I am your ultimate aim. I am the one that you are to love. Listen to this. This is humbling. Be wise, verse 7, not in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away. Repent from evil. Stop loving evil. And it will be healing to your flesh. What does that mean? And refreshment, literally medicine to your bones. That's crazy. This, this thing punched me in the face. Like, ooh, wow. Man, it will physically heal you. doesn't mean that sickness doesn't come. And, and there's stories in the Bible. People are sick. And, but there are times when people get sick because they're living in sin. Both are true. And, and we don't know the situation you're in. You seek the Lord. He will give ref Listen to this. This is not just some, something that is uh, 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 metaphysical. I think it's actually talking about the physical Bones. He's, he's giving examples of flesh 
and refreshment to your bones. Man, I want that. Got an old man body. I want that so bad. It will be healing. If you trust in the Lord and you, rep- you repent from evil and you fear the Lord, guys, it gives you this healing to your, to your flesh, to the inside. It's this refreshment, this medicine to your soul, I think, and, and to your bones. Man, I'm not saying I understand all that, but I want that. Whatever that is. Heal, healing, refreshment. Again, it says, not in our own wisdom we should turn for evil. And guys, that this healing and refreshment comes to us. So when we trust the Lord, when we fear, fear the Lord, as a third point teaches, this leads us to our fourth point today. We're going to get into the practical now. To honor the Lord. It gives a synonym, again, another way of seeing it, another side. Honor like a king. It, it, to honor the Lord is to trust the Lord. That's our fourth point, to honor the Lord. Look at verses 9 and 10. They say, honor the Lord with your what? Wealth. Dang it. I, hate, I don't like that part. We don't like that part sometimes. With my wealth, with my money, with my bread. Yep, with the dollar bills. Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. And then what does it say? Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Why are so many people broke? Because they're not doing this. Why are you struggling with money a lot of times? Not always, okay? There's exceptions. But why? We're not honoring the Lord with our wealth. There's something there. It's, it's the thing that the, the Bible is very clear on. And with your what? First fruits. The first of your work. So, we don't really, are farmers, we don't have fruit anymore when we work. Some of you may. Um, with your money, with the first batch of that, that you're giving that away to the Lord. And what's the system that he's given us to do that in today? The local church, more than even outside ministries, the local church. Honor the Lord with, I'm not saying it, don't get mad at me. Honor the Lord with your money, your wealth, and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Are there exceptions? We've already talked about that. Yes. Again, 90-10, though. You honor the Lord with your money. He takes care of you. You see, as Americans, we lack. What's the first word? Pull the money aside for a second, okay? We don't understand the word honor. Why? Because we don't live in an honor-shame culture. In America, we have, we have no honor and shame sometimes. We, we're ridiculous. Even the way we joke, even the stuff that's not evil. Like, do we just, we're just weird. Like, you don't see Asians, uh, you know, talk, uh, even, uh, you know, talking about tooting or poop and stuff like that. They don't do that. We do that. We do, oh, funny, American. It's fine. I, I'm American. I do the same thing. Um, but, especially with my kids, we have a funny little culture, right? But Asian people, other cultures, they don't do that. It is like, oh, we don't talk about that. My dad was like, that. He's like we, don't, hey, we don't talk about that. And I was like, okay. Um, Latins have a lot of honor culture, too. Not as much as Asian and Indian, but uh, there's a lot there. Um, But Americans, and those of you who have grown up American, you kind of, I'm like in both worlds. You can tap into both, right? Um, but, But we're not a communal culture. We're a culture of independence, right? We're one, there is, the most, these other cultures are, are cultures where you're not supposed to shame your name, your parents' name, your elders, your family name. That's a big deal in a lot of cultures. In our culture, it's like, whatever, mom, I'm going to do what I want. As Americans, we're taught to rebel. We're taught to go against the community and do what we want. There's not, again, uh, there, there are positive things to be said about independence and being independent. I'm a military guy. My dad is a military guy. I get it, Okay. Some good things about that. But uh, we all want our children, right, to grow up and be independent, to do their own things. And there are, again, good qualities in being independent, obviously. But don't get me wrong. As Americans, we oftentimes have the bad, selfish ideas and philosophies of the ideology of independence. And that leads to what? It leads to a lack of understanding. It's a lack of understanding of the biblical idea of honor. And so when it comes to honoring people, and especially God, we can be super deficient culturally because honor is, again, not a strong value in our culture. Now, some cultures, in the, again, Middle East, Asia, and even in Latin America have this high honor culture where elders are respected and the family name is important and honor is a high value. And this, um, again, was something true in biblical culture and is something we need to learn as believers today. 
Listen to Paul. Paul says this of other believers. A lot of times we just ghost people. We're jerks. In the church, God says, love one another with brotherly affection. Not like the fighting kind. This is the positive brother, brotherly affection, okay? Outdo, this is how we know. Outdo one another in what? In showing honor. You see, as our fourth point teaches us to trust the Lord, we're seeing that we are to trust to honor the Lord with what? With our money and our first fruits, and we will be blessed. It's not prosperity gospel, guys. Now people think that. God is a God of prosperity and favor, maybe not the way you think, not, not in money and airplanes and all this junk, okay? That's a lie. The prosperity gospel is not that you will be rich and get everything you want and desire, no. But when we are generous with our money, and I'm talking about money, and we give and we honor God and his church, God, again, generally does bless people financially. This is not always the case. But people who fear God, we get taken care of by God. It's Matthew 6. Jesus said this, a small bird. He said, I take care of the small little sparrow, the small little bird, the grass in the field. He says that he will provide. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek God, trust him, and in all these things will be given unto you. We, we invert that. We want the stuff. We don't want to trust the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now, if you are truly trusting God, get this. Did you know that your desires should match God's desires? Scriptures, all, there are many scriptures that say this, but um, if, if they do, if your desires match God, you will be a true gospel person, a true person of the kingdom of God. When your desires match God's, that is how you can have this true confidence or true trust in God. Listen to John 5, 14 through 15. It says, and this is the confidence. Confidence is another word for trust. And this is the trust or confidence that we have toward him, Jesus, God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Huh. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, you hear that? Whatever. We know that we have the request that we have asked of him. And most people take this, okay, I'm going to ask for an airplane. I'm going to ask for whatever, kid, I want ice cream. That's not what it's saying. If you are walking in this true confidence of the Lord, and you know him rightly, guys, your desires will start to match his, and we're free to ask the things that God wants, and they should align with your, with your will. You see, God is the God of all resources, and again, he doesn't always bless us financially. There are many exceptions. But generally in life, if you trust the Lord and honor God with your money and first fruits, he will bless you and your family. And oftentimes he blesses you financially. I'm going to share a little bit about my testimony and my example in this. I was saved at 10. I grew, up, grew in God and kind of got more serious in 16. I was like, man, I got to love people. I say I love God. I saw these, these guys in my youth group, and I didn't like them. And I was like, I got to like these guys, man. They were not my jam, okay? And then I got really serious, and I was a hot mess, still had sin and growing, but I just truly saved, and I loved God, and I just wanted to live for God, and I would cry out and believe me at Philippians 1, 21, for me, for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. That was before that was really popular, and I just would say that and believe that, and I was like, I'll go anywhere, I'll do anything. And God has been good to me. I come from a solid middle-class family, but my parents come from poor part of Puerto Rico. They, they got there. They didn't really know, um, uh, you know, everything about money and the things that, and so I, I didn't have any money for college. That's why I eventually did the military thing. I didn't want to get in debt. I knew I didn't want debt. And so, um, uh, you know, after high school, I mean, during high school, I would work at like very Long John Silver's movie theater, CompUSA, these, these little jobs. And, um, and then I was like, I don't know what I was doing. I was, I was trying to be a hippie musician, or I, I like, like music. I started discovering music. I was like, cool, I can write songs and do all this. Or I wanted to be a crazy missionary. I was like, I don't know. I was kind of like, go with the flow, man. Yeah, it's just Lord's going to provide. But I really loved God, okay? I was a little immature in some of what it took to work and be a man. Um, but uh, but I, I think my heart was in the right place. And so I was like, all right, I got to be a man. So I joined the Air Force to do a job that I was like, I'm going to hate that job, but I feel like I got to do this job. And sometimes you just got to do that. You got to work and do something that you don't want to do. Especially men, you got to work. Work hard. Do something. Work. 
God calls us to work. And sometimes it's not the funnest job. It's well, we tell our kids, oh, do something that your heart aligns with. Well, it must be nice. You can get there, but sometimes you're just going to have to work. And so all that to say, I think I did what God called me to do. Didn't do it perfectly, but I can generally say, man, I, I did it. Like I was trying to seek the Lord, and I did it imperfectly, but God gave me faith, and I trusted him with all my heart. And, and, and again, not perfectly. Every time I would fail, but I would repent, and he would always be there, guys. He would always be there to receive me and love me and discipline me. We're going to talk about that later. And now, man, I've trusted him for over 30 years. That means I'm old. Constantly, throughout different life situations and going back to my king and going back to my king in all kinds of situations where we're talking about money, so especially during financial troubles. I was in a season, again, he's blessed us so much, but I was in a season um, where I was a broken young man out of the Air Force, been in a hard relationship. I had uh, no money. I had a lot of debt. Um, and, and I was like, I don't know what to do. And I just worked, got a cheap apartment, worked, trust in the Lord. I remember just cry. My friend would come, we just cry on my, my, my uh, you know, little apartment. I have $400 a month apartment. Wish I could find that now. That's a good deal. Um, it was nice too. And so again, I, I, at my time serving in the Air Force, I didn't know this. This is kind of backtracking. I, I had a bone tumor in my left knee. It started to grow, I think, when I was a kiddo, but in the Air Force, we worked with all these chemicals. That sucker got big, and I could not, I still can't bend my knee all the way. And so, I don't know, they took it out. Once I was like, I can't do stuff. People noticed I was like uh, working awkwardly, and I was a mechanic, so you had to, my jet's really F-16. It's about this tall. You get low and, you know, do stuff. And I realized, man, something's going on. They said, we got to remove this tumor from your knee. They took it out. Um, that which has messed up my back and body, giving me limited range of motion. I feel like it's a thorn in my side. This has been over 20 years. Um, my body has, um, you know, compensated for over 20 years. So when I was getting out of the Air Force, I got a 30% in the military. You can get a disability rating. And I was like, okay, whatever. I just did the paperwork. I did what they told me to do. Go, go to this meeting. Go to this meeting. Okay, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Did that. Didn't know what I was doing. My body still hurts today, but the Lord has used that. He used that 30% to pay my undergrad, to pay my master's degree. No debt. Okay, cool. That led me, again, to get out of debt. I, I, I did some scholarship things, got out of debt. I lived cheaply. I stayed with my parents and different roommates. I worked for various seasons. You know, I worked different jobs. I was, I was a security guard all through college. Uh, boring, kind of like, you know, a little job that I did for three years, almost four years straight. I drove a three-cylinder Chevy Metro. Uh, I still drive this, the modern version of that now. I have a little Kia Soul. Um, a lot of jokes with that car. Um, anyways, uh, I, I knew I needed Jesus, guys. I needed his church. And so what did I do? I was broke. I just served the church. I just I went to a, to a church here that's still really good friends of them, First Baptist Irving. And, and I served in all kinds of ways. I did all kinds of things. And I gave from the little money that I had. I mean, I was always broke or close to it. I remember one time I had like $10, and I was like, get the, the, the church's chicken sandwiches. And I was like, Lord, thank you. I got $10. They were like $1. I got like five of them and just would eat them by myself, lonely, going back to my little apartment. And then I finally graduated, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was a musician trying to be a Christian artist or some kind of artist. And so I was like, okay, I'll be a teacher. I got my teacher certificate. I'll do that. And then uh, I meet Candace during this period. Things started to change. The Lord started calling me to ministry. Then I, then I was like, all right, the music thing, I'll put it on hold. Um, got married, started having a family, started working as a pastor. This is when I was going to seminary. Again, we had a little bit of money, but we'd always, we'd always give and try to be faithful. I was always confused too. Like I'm working at a church, so I give to the church and they give back to me. That's weird. But I just still did it. And guys, he has allowed us. This is a miracle. Like people oh, miraculously make it on, on. Candace just started working full time for the first time in like 13 years. Well, we've been able to make it on a one income household. Five kids. People are like, yeah, how do you make it? I, God. We say we do the discipline things, but it's God. We were able to buy our first home when we lived in Odessa. Um, I remember being, I've been scared. I hate, I hate blowing money. We bought this home. I, it was like 193. I was like, oh my gosh, so expensive. And we were able to buy that house. We got a deal on it when we sold it. We got this call to church plant. Like, what do we do? Uh, I left my good church job, hit the, hit the road fundraising, got, I raised the full salary. Didn't know that we could do that. God did that. Um, then we had to move in Irving. The prices here had doubled. Like, so houses were like, you know, 300 to 400. Like, how are we going to buy a house? No way. This was five years ago. Sorry now, those who are trying to buy a house now. 
Um, and so by God's grace, we came at the perfect time. We were able to buy uh, our house now. It's, it's a great home for us. And by God's grace, my benefits increased to 90%. So that meant more money monthly. And um, we were able to make it just barely could afford the house. And that was the only thing that we could find in Irving. It was a really tight housing market. Again, we, we moved. And um, then we, we started, you know, paying the house. The property taxes were a lot. Then I received 100% VA rating in three years, like, like a, a couple years ago. And now I don't have to pay property taxes in the state of Texas. And our house is like a super sweet deal. All because of the Lord. And I don't know what I was doing, y'all. If I was a musician and wanted trying to be a little Christian rock star, I wouldn't make as much money in royalties as I make now from, from the VA. It's just the Lord. And I'm not saying that any other reason other than, man, I'm encouraging you to trust the Lord. I'm a, I'm, there's some of you that are older in here, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm older than most. And I know those that are older, you have your own stories. Trust in the Lord. And, and then one more little part on this. Last Christmas, I was kind of feeling that temptation. Because, yeah, but you all, I'm, I'm, I'm kinda, I can worry about money stuff and make sure things are in order and all that, right? And how are we going to do this or do that? And so it's Christmas, and I get this letter in the mail. I usually am a neat freak, so I don't like letters to sit there. I was trying to be relaxed and said, just leave it there. Candace left it on the kitchen, and I just didn't even look at it. I don't care. Stupid thing from the VA. I don't, I don't need to talk to him anymore. And then um, I look at this, ma- this letter, and it says, in, in brief, my kids and Candace can all go to any school in the state of Texas. Like A&M is like 28K a semester or something, or a year. I forget if it's a year or a semester for free. And um, Candace can too. And they get a stipend of $14.40 a month that's going to go up with inflation. And, and, and guys, I remember seeing that and just blown away. Did you remember we have five kids? <laughs> All of them get to go for free. Man, the Lord provides. I did the math on that, guys. It's a benefit of $1.2 to $1.5 million just waiting for me and my family. Now, we don't get that dollar amount, but it's, it's there waiting. God provides. may not be the way you think. I don't have 1.5 to go invest or do something, but it's there. He provides in different ways, but he's called us to trust him. Now, again, we don't have that money now. The Lord often makes us wait and grow, and he shows us those blessings almost distant sometimes. God's provision is there. It's waiting for us. Again, often we don't know it. We can't see it. It's how the Lord works. And I testify this to you today to say, stop worrying about everything else. We're so worried about everything else. Seek the Lord. The Bible is true. You seek him, he will provide. And if you die, you die. That's a little harsh, but there's so much more than even death. But if we're going to live, God is good, guys. And he provides. So stop worrying about everything else. All the pain, all the drama, all the questions, all the troubles. Doesn't mean you quit or give up. But truly give them over to Jesus today. Honor him. And remember, the big theme was with your money. Honor him and his church with your finances, all your heart. It's one of the hardest things for us as Americans to do because we have so much money compared to everybody else. If you make, I think it's like... Um, 32,000 a year or something like that, you're in the top 1% of, of the world, not America. You got to make more in America. That's crazy. That's humbling. So if you make over 32,000 a year, God is like top 1%. That's who you are. That's most of Americans, even the even poor ones. That's crazy. That's humbling. So we love our money, and God says, honor me with it first, and I will take care of you. You see, to trust the Lord is to honor him with our money, and that leads us to our last point today. Like I said, we're going a little long today, but we'll wrap up here with our fifth point. These are all connected. They seem different, but they're all connected. You could preach five sermons on these different things. But this leads us to our last fifth point, that we should not despise God's discipline. Read verses 11 and 12. They say, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, uh, the son in whom he delights. God loves his children. God loves you as his sweet, beautiful children. You're his child if you know him. Feel that. Know that. 
Some of you are parents here. You would give good things to your babies. You want to, right? God loves you like that. Again, our last point teaches we should not despise God's discipline or be weary because God disciplines those he loves. All the mistakes you've made sexually, with money, with pride, with arrogance, your mouth, your lack of mouth. When you needed to say something and you were a coward, God disciplines us in those things. Listen to what Hebrews 12, 7 through 11, how it expounds on this section of Proverbs 3, 11 through 12 and, and teaches us saying this. If you want to open up there, Hebrews 12, 7 through 11, it's a commentary on this section of Proverbs. I couldn't say it any better. The author of Hebrews says, it is for discipline, discipline, that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. Man, I got to be disciplined. He treats you as sons if you're disciplined. And um, it says, for what son is there whose father does not discipline him? A good father disciplines his child. The main requirement to be a pastor or elder is you have to manage your household well. People make fun of, like, elementary school teachers. I used to be one. I'm like, you can't, I tell any pastor, you can't tell, you can't lead a classroom of 20 kids. You can't pastor a church. I don't like kids. I don't care. (laughs) You need to know how to lead children. Can't lead children. Can't lead adults. Can't lead yourself. It's things to learn. Verse 8. For if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children. You're not children of God if you're disciplined and not sons. In, Hebrew, in, in Proverbs it says that if you spare the rod, that means spanking and some discipline, that you hate the child. That's a hard word. That you hate them. There is something to physical. Because little kids don't understand consequences. So you got to spank them. I'm not talking about abuse. A little discipline, we do too. Boom, boom. And we say this word, bam, bam. Sometimes I will even give myself a pom pom and show them Jesus that way. I'll take the pom pom and they're like, no. Discipline works. If, and this is talking about physical discipline of children. Then again, but look at, look at us now. If you are left without discipline, which all participated, then you are illegitimate children. You want to be disciplined by God, okay? It sting, it's hard sometimes. It says, you're not sons. Look at verse 9. Besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. A lot of us, some of us have exceptions and have had bad fathers. But those who've had good fathers or, or seen a good father, you know, through a friend or through TV or something, a good father disciplines his children. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? Verse 10 says, for they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he, God, disciplines us, listen, for our good. God disciplines you for your good. That we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. It seems hard, but guys, it produces this fruit of righteousness. And it says we should be trained by it. Because to trust the Lord with all your heart, more and more every single day, you must go through discipline. This is hard for us as humans. We, don't, we want the easy street or the narrow path, as Pastor Moses mentioned last week. But God says that he blessed those that trust him, and sometimes it's through pain. Pain is how we grow. It's literally how your muscles grow when you work out. They get, you tear them up, okay? If you work out every day. You're just going to keep tearing up the muscles. You're not going to be defined. You do, 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 do these, and you should, then you should do legs, and you should do another part. But your muscles get torn up, and they get swollen up, and then they rest, and they get a little bigger. That's how God made it. That's how you get stronger. And then your body becomes stronger, and you're able to do more heavy lifting. You see, as humans, we metaphorically and literally sometimes we just want to eat cake and candy and fast food, right? And if you do that, you're going to be a sick, unhealthy mess, and put your body on the road to death. And then think of a parent in discipline. A good parent is disciplined to tell the child, no more cake, no more candy, no more burgers. You see, that is, that's easy for God to do because God is perfect, right? He's the perfect parent. But as humans, we're insecure. And we think that we are loving when we are like, here, here, little kid, here's some cake. I don't want to let yell at you. Oh, my goodness. Like, we, we're timid parents. That's not how God operates. That's being a coward. We need to tell people no sometimes. We rationalize saying, I don't want conflict. So we say, one more donut, one more burger. Oh, it's not that big a deal. We have this nice soft voice. One more piece of candy. And then you realize 10 years have passed and your child is a monster. 
and you lack discipline. Now, discipline goes with love, okay? If you just take them separately, you're like love and rainbows and butterflies. No, no. Hebrews 12 says discipline and love. They go together. So there's a way to discipline with love, and there's a way to discipline without love. And sometimes as parents, we do it that way because we're harsh. We, we make mistakes, but there's a way to do it with love. Again, instead of your kid um, being healthy and disciplined, you are unable to build the patterns in the life um, you, because they, you're destroying their body, and it's going to take them 10 years to recover, or worse yet, they may never recover from the lack of discipline. Now, again, kids, we looked at it last week. You can do everything right, and the kids can go do their own thing. There's always the exception, right? But don't despise. It's talking about us now. Don't despise God's discipline toward you. It's a good thing for your soul and for our souls. So be thankful for the Lord and his discipline. He will not spoon feed us candy and junk, but will lovingly discipline us to change and show us how to survive as we take the hard path so that we can change for our good and his glory. And so to trust the Lord is to not despise the discipline he gives, but to see it and grow from it, knowing it produces good. And so to conclude today, I know I went a little long, do you trust in the Lord or other things? Do you trust in the Lord or other things? Guys, this is the call. Will you trust in the Lord? He's inviting us. Will you trust in the Lord? Family and friends, we were encouraged to keep loving God's word, to know Jesus as the living word, to know the written word and the proclaimed word, the gospel, and to remember that it gives us life and peace and favor and good success in the sight of man and God. That was our first point, to keep loving God's word. Our second point was to trust the Lord with all our heart, to not trust ourselves, to acknowledge God, knowing that he will direct our paths. Our third point was to fear the Lord and live not in your own wisdom, but rather to turn from evil and find healing and refreshment from the Lord. And then our, our, our fourth point was to honor the Lord with your money and, and first fruits of your work and know that you will be blessed. And our last point was to not despise God's discipline and to know that, God's discip that God disciplines those that he loves. So to summarize, and we'll end here, we're to keep God's word, to trust, to fear, and to honor the Lord by not despising his discipline. So guys, let's, let's pray now and let's pray as we trust the Lord today with all of our, our redeemed hearts. Let's pray. Thank you.